Welcome to the study of God's Word, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, let's open our Bibles and study God's Word. Well, Pastor Ed had asked me to, uh, to share a little bit, I, I kind of did a devotion um, earlier or, or later last year, and Pastor Ed had mentioned it. he wanted me to share that with you guys, and um, just kind of excited as I was looking at Matt's prayer points, because one of the things that he said is, he said to forget the past, especially of 2018, and I think that is such a crucial thing, because what happens in life sometimes is we do, we do, we hold on to the past. In the flesh, we hold on to the past. And yet God would want to rid the flesh in our lives. But the truth of the matter is this, in the life of faith and the things that God would have for us, God would call us to remember the past, to live in the present and to um, look forward towards the future. Now, let me explain that. When he talks about to remember the past, it's to remember the past things of faith that God has done. Not your past failures, not your past things where, you, where you, your, uh, your fleshly successes. No, he's talking about things of faith, to, to remember the past. How has God been faithful in your life in the past? It's like a trophy. When you, know, you look at a trophy or you've played baseball or something like that, or you got an achievement, you had an award, you always look at that award and you remember a time and a place when you got that. It's the same thing in the life of faith. You look back to the past and you see the things that God has done and it energizes your spirit. But we know that we're not to live in the past. We live right now in the present because that's who we are. We're, you know, natural beings. We live in the present, but yet we don't just stay in the present. We look forward to the things of the future. That's what God has called us in this life of faith. And so as we're looking to look on this, uh, the name of this is, the uh, title of this message is Eyes on Jesus in Hebrews chapter 12. And I just find it so fitting because that's exactly where the Lord would have us to be in 2019. And so we're going to kind of look through Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to kind of see what the Lord might speak to our hearts about in that. So Hebrews chapter 12 is really, most of you guys would know that it's, it's the race of faith. But yet Hebrews chapter 11 is called the hall of faith. And that's where you see all the people who have gone before us, who've lived the life of faith. Who have, whose names have been written down as examples for us. So that when we're dealing with hard times and when we're dealing with difficulties, we can flip to Hebrews chapter 11 and we can get an encouragement by seeing how Abraham li how lived his life. Or we can see, um, we can look at um, other people, men and women who went through it, who dealt with it, and yet who persevered. When we're going through hard times, you know, when we're uh, when we're seeing guys who are going through fiery trials, we can, we can think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Because they, they went through that, and yet they persevered. And, uh, you know, so anyway, we, there's all these different things um, in Hebrews chapter 11. But as we jump now into Hebrews chapter 12, I just kind of want to walk this through with you guys and let the Lord begin to minister and encourage your heart just as the words of God come alive. So it says, Therefore... We also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, 
looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And I'm going to stop right there. And I want to kind of break this down for you guys as we're, as we're walking through this. It says, we've been surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. This cloud of witnesses are those who've gone before you. Maybe in 2018, maybe you've had friends or family who've joined those cloud of witnesses in the life of faith. Now, they've passed on from this life now into eternity, but, but those people in your life, they made an impact. They made an impact because of who they were in their faith in God. Those are, they have now joined this, this entourage of, 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 of uh, heavenly, oh gosh, what's, uh, they've joined this entourage of just, uh, of, of, of members now who, who are in heaven, who are now looking on and who are seeing and watching our lives here on earth. But more than that, they're encouraging us along in this life because they made it. You know, we hear Pastor Ed saying all the time, you know, it's going to be so, it's going to be so cool to be in heaven and to look up and to, and to go, man, I'm here, I made it. And then to look over and see your neighbor and go, well, you made it, you know, and just, it's just this excitement in our hearts. And you can just think about that, that those who've gone before us are waiting and they're counting down the days for you to be there in heaven with your loved ones, with those who've accepted Jesus Christ, who've, who've ran that race of faith. And so here we see this great cloud of witnesses that, have, that, that has gone before them. And as the author of the Hebrews would say, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance. Maybe this is the year 2019 where you need to consider that. 2018 wasn't a year where I was running for whatever reason it might be. Maybe that's something you've thought through now as we're looking at this. 2018 wasn't a year. Man, I got tripped up too many times. Things just kept me from running this race or I wasn't running at all or I lost sight that I was even in a race. But tonight, guys, I want just to remind you that the Lord has called us in a race because it says here as we go on, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of our faith. This is such a key thing, eyes on Jesus. I like to use that, uh, the letters E-O-J, because it's a, it's a good reminder for me, Micah, you're, o, you're, you're always A-okay when you're E-O-J, because when your eyes are on Jesus, you're going to be just fine. It's when we take our eyes off Jesus that we start tripping up. It's when we take our eyes off Jesus that we get distracted. It's when we're running this race of faith with the Lord and we take our eyes off Jesus that all of a sudden something else becomes more appealing and we'll see these little trips up, these little mistakes that we made possibly in 2018 that we just have regrets. And Matt had talked about forgetting the past. Those are the things we definitely want to forget. But in the life of faith, this is an amazing thing. God uses those things for his glory to bring about this confirmation in your life, this shaping of your life through those difficulties, through those hardships in your life to bring you to a place where, he's, where you're usable and you're going to bring God glory. And that's just an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing to see. But looking unto Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Now, this is, this is an amazing thing because I don't know what your 2018 looked like. Maybe it was one that you wanted to forget. Maybe you had some great moments in there. But nonetheless, what does it say? Jesus is what? The author. So he starts your faith and he ends your faith. Too many Christians that I, I've met have run into this thing where they feel like they can end their faith. 
Oh, I, I was a Christian a long time ago. Yeah, I accepted the Lord, but you know, I'm not walking with him anymore. Why? Because you are in control, right? You think you're in control, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that Jesus is the author and the finisher of your faith. He's the one that starts it, and he's not done with you until you go to be with the Lord, until your life is ended. And that's a great encouragement for us, for any of us, for even friends that we know who've backslidden, is that what Jesus starts, Jesus will complete because he has the power to do so. And so we always need to remember that. Those of you who have friends who are, who are in a state of, of being vaccinated, continue to pray for them because God is not done with them. God wants to do a work in their lives and what he started, he will finish. That's what he does. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. It says, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. And I was praying with my wife here and and I was thinking about that. It's like the joy that was set before him was you and I. Because when Jesus went to the cross, when Jesus came to this earth, he had you and I on his mind. Because he knew that what Je Jesus knew that what he came to do would bring a relationship with man back together with God. That through salvation in his name, man would spend eternity in heaven with him. And that brought joy to him so he could endure, so he could press on, so that he could move forward. And Jesus really is our example. And as our example, we look to him and we realize that we can endure things in this life. That, you know, we might not be dealing with what somebody else might be dealing with, but whatever our plot is right now, whatever things that we're dealing with, whatever our lot in life right now, we know that we're, our eyes need to not be on ourselves or on our circumstances. Our eyes need to be on Jesus. Because in order to run this race, in order to run what God has called us to do, our eyes have to be on the one who's in control. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, I don't know what your lot in life was last year. But you know what? God has something in store for you this year, and that's where your focus needs to be. Because as you run this race, we don't run backwards. We run forwards. So as we run forward into 2019, I don't know what obstacles are ahead, but as we run this life of faith, we know that it's not in a single track where we're running laps. It's, it's a long distance race because we're to run with endurance. We're not to sprint. It's an endurance race. And so this life of faith, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have areas where we're not going to be able to see the finish line at all. But we know it's there. Why? because our eyes are on Jesus, because Jesus is our example, because Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith, because everything about Jesus points to our success. And anytime that we take off our, or take our eyes off Jesus, we're really bound for failure. And yet that, that's, that's really kind of the, the idea here is that we always need to be looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. In Habakkuk chapter three, I'm gonna read that real quick here. Habakkuk chapter 3. I love that passage of Scripture, but Habakkuk, um, an Old Testament prophet, writes this to the, to the children of Israel. And he says this, because they were going through a difficult time in their lives. It says, even though the fig trees have no blossom, and there's no grapes on the vines, and even though the olive crop fails, and the field lies empty and barren, and even though the flocks die in the fields, and the cattle barns are empty, 
Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength, and he makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. You know, when everything else looks hopeless in your life, what are you going to do? When your lot in life takes a a sour turn, what are you going to do? Well, Habakkuk gave this promise here to these guys. Take the advice. Rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because if your eyes are on Jesus, you can do that. If your eyes are not on Jesus, it's very, very hard to rejoice because all you have to rejoice in is your circumstance. And we know that we're not in control because our circumstances go up and our circumstances go down. And there are things that happen in life that we just can't control. As much as people would like to think, I'm in control and I can handle it. You know, it just takes a couple hours, a couple weeks of going through something super difficult to realize that, you know, Lord, I don't have this. I want to share something with you guys that I've shared before, but it's something that has impacted my life in such a great way that it's important. So many people live their life like this. I got this. You know, they live their life that way. That's their phrase. We see it on TV. I got this. I can handle it. I'm strong enough. I can do this. But the reality is we realize that we really don't. As much as we like to put on that Instagram smile and everybody thinks everything is great in our lives or, or, or the things that we post on Facebook and everybody thinks your life is in such a way, but yet we realize in deep in our hearts that we realize that this isn't really the truth. This isn't really that I don't have this, Lord, that I do not have this, that I don't got this. And yet we find ourselves in this place many times like Psalm chapter 40. So Psalm chapter 40, verse 1 through 3, I want you guys to take a look at that. But this is really kind of one of my theme life verses now in my, in my heart because I find it to be just such a, such a scripture of encouragement. Because what happens here, we see, I'm going to read it real quick in the New Living. It says, uh, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair and out of the mud and out of the mire. He set my feet on solid ground. He steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed and they will put their trust in in the Lord. So let me break this down for you real quick. What I love about this passage of Scripture is we realize that we want to live this way, but this isn't really the truth. Because there is coming a time in your life, or probably has already been a time in your life, when you've been in the pit of despair. You've been in that place where it doesn't matter what you think, the reality is, is you don't have this. And the reality is, is that life is very difficult and hard. And yet, what do you find yourself crying out to? You're either going to cry out to the things of God or you're going to cry out to the things of yourself. And that's what happens. When difficulty arises in in a person's life, they're either going to cry out to the things of the flesh or they're going to cry out to the things of the Spirit. And here we see in this passage of Scripture, in in chapter 40, verse 1, that the psalmist here writes that he he cries out to the Lord because that's what pain does. Pain causes us to cry out. But that's not a bad thing because to cry out to God is the greatest thing that you could ever do because check out what the Lord desires to do in a life that cries out to him. It's the life that's resistant to him is the life that is gonna be void of all the blessings that God has in store for their life. 
So I waited patiently for the Lord and he, to help me. He turned to me and he heard my cry. So the psalmist cries out from this pit of despair. But notice what, notice what happens here. It says, that, it says that God then, he lifts him up. That the desire of the Lord is to lift us up out of that difficulty. Number one, he lifts us up. Number two, what does he do? He sets his feet on solid ground. That's exactly where we in our hearts had always desired to be. I want to be on a firm foundation. But yet we realize that, that we don't have it. We have to realize that God says that I got this. But in order for us to live our lives in that way, we have to take the things of the word of God and we have to say, Lord, I'm surrendering my life to you in this situation. Even though I don't like to be here, what I'm gonna do is my pain is gonna cause me to cry out to you. And as, it cry, and as I cry out to God, what is God gonna do? He's gonna lift me up. He's gonna set my feet on solid ground. Okay, number three. It says that he steadies me as I walk along. But that's, that's God's desire. He's going to pull you up. He's going to set you down. He's going to steady you as you walk along. And the reason why he steadies you, because now he wants you to move. Now he wants you to walk. And now he's got something in store for your life that he wants you to be an impact in this life. Before, you were in this pit of despair. And could you help yourself? No. Because you were brought to that place of having to cry out to the Lord. But when you surrendered and cried out to him, what did God do? He lifted you up. He set your feet on solid ground. He steadied you as you walked along. And then check it out. What does it say? It says, <coughs> excuse me, he's given you a new song to sing. That's a heart issue right there. Where does worship come from? It comes from the heart. The person in the pit of despair has a hard time crying out and singing praises to God sometimes, right? Just, just be real. It's hard. And yes, the, unless the Lord is involved in that person's life and pulls them up, sets their feet on solid ground, steadies them as they walk along, and God has placed that new song in their heart. Guys, check it out. It's all God's work. It's none of mine, and it's none of yours. It's all God's, but that's God's desire. And how does it start out? It starts out with me crying out to Him. Let 2019 be a year of you crying out to him as your eyes are on Jesus, as you're realizing the race of faith that God has called you to run. So not only does he pick us up after we cry out to set us on solid ground, to steady us as, I, as we walk along, to place a new song in my heart, but check this out. It says many will see what he has done and they will put their trust in the Lord. Many will see. Guys, that's your testimony. Do you understand how God took somebody in a pit and lifts them up now? And this is like the grace of God. And I love this because it's just such an awesome picture that if we just live our lives like, like this, and we realize that God, it, God really has this, that it doesn't matter what we go through. It doesn't matter the circumstance. We don't have to have the happy face all the time like everything is going okay because there are times in life where we need to be crying out to God. And it's important because God has such an awesome plan that he wants to do in our lives. But a, but a heart that cries out to God is a heart that's going to see these things take place in their life. And that's truly what we desire in our lives as believers, to see the work of God and the hand of God in our lives. And that only happens as we keep our eyes on Jesus, even through the pits of despair. And as we allow God to do his work, because God's finished work is always going to bring glory to himself. Yes, he may choose to use our lives but it's gonna bring glory to God in the end. <coughs> Let's jump in here to verse three. It says, 
For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Consider him. First of all, we're looking to Jesus. Our eyes are on Jesus, right? I'm A-OK when I'm E-O-J, right? When my eyes are on Jesus. But yet now we have to consider Jesus. What did Jesus go through? What, you know, how am I going to make it through this next phase of 2019? The things that possibly that, that are ahead. Maybe I know what I'm facing. Maybe I don't. But the reality is Jesus does. And that's where my hope has to lie. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Jesus is our example. And our eyes have to be upon Jesus as our example. Because if we take our eyes off Jesus and we begin to look at the circumstances of life, I guarantee discouragement's going to come. Because we realize that we don't got this. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the, love, whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Now this is such a good passage of scripture, which I love, because this really deals with you and I and our relationship with the Lord. That the Bible would tell us that that we are called now sons. In Jesus Christ, we're now adopted out of the orphanage of the world and we're brought in to, to the, the, the family of God. And it's such an amazing thing because somebody who's been adopted out of the orphanage of the world is somebody who has now an amazing blessing on their life that they never that they never could have imagined. Like they weren't in charge of their blessing. When, somebody, when somebody's adopted into a family, it's not that they did anything to earn that. But yet a person who's been adopted, adoption is this, it's a loving act of the will. It's now one family saying, my family is now your family. What I want you, I want you to come into my into my life. I want you to come in to be a, be a part of my, my, my family. I'm willing now as an adoptive parent, to bear, the, to bear the, the costs and the risks involved in raising you as my child. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a name change. Your last name is going to change to my name. I'm willing to invest in you. I want to teach you. I want to train you. I want to disciple you. And I want to give you an inheritance. Like that's exactly the whole idea of what adoption looks like. And that's what God calls us when God calls us his sons and his daughters. That's what exactly what he's saying. He's adopting us into his family with privileges, with rights. We're given a new identity. We're given a new purpose. We're given a new hope. We're given a new future. And yet that's how God would call us to live. And that's how God would call us to run. But we have to be careful in that. It is so easy to take our eyes off Jesus and to start getting distracted by the things that are on the sidelines. And we can easily take a break and run over here to the sidelines and forget what God has called us to do. God has adopted us from the orphanage of the world into the family of God. But how easy it is when we take our eyes off Jesus to go back to being an orphan. Is that really who you are? No. 
because your identity doesn't rest in you, it rests in Him. It rests in His grace upon your life. It rests upon His calling upon your life. It rests upon His bringing you into His family. And yet, you can still be a son or a daughter of the Lord, but still choose to go back to the orphanage of the world. You understand? It's a big difference. It doesn't change who you are, but your circumstance changes. But yet, you can see how God desires you so much to be in His family rather than running to the things of the, of the world. Because in the things of the world, the orphanage of the world, it's dog-eat-dog, right? It's the world. And yet, God loved you so much to bring you out of the things of the world, to bring you into his family so that he might lavish on you all that God has in store for you as a son and as a daughter. That's how much he loves us. He's given us a new life, a new purpose, a new hope, a new future. But it says this in verse, uh, in verse 5, it says, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. Sons because we're identified in Jesus Christ. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Why does God choose discipline? Why does God choose to bring you back from the things of the world into his family? Why does he do that? Why doesn't he let you just do whatever you want to do? Because he loves you too much. A father who doesn't truly love a son is going to let a son just do whatever he wants to do. But a father who truly loves a son is going to pursue that son because he wants that son close to him. Understand? It's huge. That's, that's the heart of our father. He loves us so much to come after us. He loves us so much when, we he, when he hears us crying out to him that he's willing to lift us up, to set our feet on solid ground, to steady us as we walk along, to place a new song in our heart, and then to allow other people to see the testimony of God's work in our lives through us. That's God's grace. That's the God we serve. That's the Father we serve. And we're called in Hebrews chapter 12 to keep our eyes on Jesus because I'm A-OK when I'm E-O-J, and you are too. It says, verse 7, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom the Father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live. For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. You know, guys, as we go through the chastening of the Lord, and when I, when I talk about chastening, I, I want you to understand it. It's like an athlete. It's like a disciplining. It's like you can think about somebody who would, be, who would be running a long distance race. You don't just get up out of bed and say, I'm gonna go run 30 miles. You know, that's ridiculous. But yet there's a training and there's a discipline involved in that type of life and that type of pursuit to realize that am I, I'm gonna make it. If I'm gonna endure, then I need to prepare myself. And this discipline and this training is involved and needed in a life that is, that is choosing to run. And that's God's heart and desire for you, that he's gonna discipline you. He's going to train you. And the purpose in that is to mold us more in line with who Jesus is. 
We need to look at the result of chastening rather than the process of it. To make your Christianity more about Christ than about you. That's what God desires to do in our lives, to make our Christianity more about Christ than about us. How many people have you run into in your work, in your office, and you ask them, well, I'm a Christian, but does their life reflect it? Is their Christianity more about them or is it about Christ? See, guys, the, the, the change in that happens when our eyes are on Jesus. Because then we're running with a purpose. Then we're running with direction. Then we understand who we are in Jesus. Then we understand our identity. Then we understand how much God loves us. You see, understand it like it's, it's like this whole life of faith that God has called us to do now makes a lot more sense. We're not just running aimlessly, but we have a, we're running with a purpose. We're running with a, with, with a, with a, with a desire of the, to, to follow through and to love the things of the Lord because God loves us that much. that we may be partakers of his holiness. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. That God has a purpose in your life, that God is willing to work in your life for his good pleasure. And as we're running, seeking after the things of the Lord, that's God's heart. That's what he wants to do. He wants to place that new song in your heart. He wants to allow your life to be a testimony, not of who you were in the past, but now of who you are in the present because he's looking at your life and where you're going in the future. That's where you need to be looking because we always run forward, we never run back. And as we're running forward, we have a lot to be running forward to, don't we? In the things of the Lord, absolutely. And that's the thing is, is as, we, as we tackle Hebrews chapter 12, as we begin to absorb that, as we begin to think about that, the writer to the Hebrews would want us to be encouraged that this race of faith is a race worth running. It says, verse 11, now no pain, I'm sorry, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. You know, there's always a benefit of being trained. There's a benefit of it. There's an end result that you look back and you go, man, that is so worth it. And guys, this is the coolest thing. When we get to heaven someday, we're going to look back at our lives and we're going to see all the valleys, all the dips, all the bumps, all the bruises. But are we going to get stuck on those? No, because of the joy that now we partake in the presence of the Lord. And we're going to say it was all worth it. But yet right now in the present, we can't see that. But we can see that by faith when our eyes are on Jesus, when we realize that those people who've gone before us are cheering us on, that they've finished their race and they're cheering us on to do the same. So verse 12 says, therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather healed. You can look at your life and you can look around to those of your friends, those that, those that you hang out with, and we can see a lot of injury because that's what sin does. Sin dislocates 
Sin makes life a burden. And yet, we are told here to strengthen the hands which hang down and the knees that are feeble. How do we strengthen those? By pointing people back to Jesus. Because he's our only hope, right? He's our only strength. And yet, when my eyes are on Jesus, everything's a-okay. When my eyes are off Jesus, man, I'm dealing with injury right and left because I'm walking through this world and this world has a lot of bumps and bruises, I tell you what. Make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame will not be dislocated. 2019, make straight paths for your feet. Be careful on the paths you choose to take. 2019 might have, might have had some serious bad paths in your lives. But God would call you to look back and say, what does 2019 hold for you? Maybe in 2018 your eyes weren't on Jesus, but in 2019 they can be. And in 2019 as your eyes are on Jesus, I tell you what, the Bible says that thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That my path is going to be straight and fixed and I'm going to see what's in front of me as I'm following the words of God. It's an amazing promise. You know, I don't know what your lot in life looks like, but I'm going to use a simple acronym to, to maybe help you out. It's helped me out in my life. When I think of lot, I think of L-O-T. That my lot in life as a believer deals with listening, it deals with obeying, and it deals with trusting in the, in the things of God. Wherever God has called you physically in your lot, are you doing that? Are you listening? Are you obeying? And are you trusting? Are you listening? Are you paying attention? Are you giving heed to what God might be wanting to say in your life? Are you obeying? Are you obeying the things, of the thing, the things that God would speak to you in your life? Are you making those choices that would honor the Lord? The Bible says in John chapter 10 that my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And are we trusting? Are we trusting the Lord with where we are in our lot in life? Have we placed our faith in Him to know that God's got this, that He's in control? The Bible would tell us to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and to not lean on our own understandings. And in all of our ways acknowledge Him that He would direct our paths. This active participation with the things of the Lord leads to this active realization in our life of faith of how great God is. That's why God's called us to run. He's not called us to sit down. He's not called us to stand still. In 2019, Calvary Church is gonna be moving forward. And as we move forward in the things of the Lord, we have to be able to say, hey, you know what? I need to endure. Because the things that God has in store for us as a church, the things that God has in store for you in your life, your eyes have to be on Jesus to be able to fully realize. God has called us to grow as believers. He's called us to move forward. And you can think about this as those of you who are parents who have, uh, who have young children or have had children who've grown up can really understand this example. When a, when, when a baby is born, he is satisfied or she is satisfied just sitting on the floor staring at the ceiling because that's all they know. 
But you as a parent look at that child and you don't see that child staying that way for the rest of their life. You see that child being able to crawl, being able to stand up, being able to take their first steps, being able to taste foods, being able to walk, being able to run, being able to do so many things. And yet as a parent, you know that. Guys, that's how our Heavenly Father sees us. When we as believers choose not to run our race, we're just like that baby. We're content sitting there on the floor staring at the ceiling. And we're missing out on so much more that God has in store for our lives. Why does God fill the pages of Scripture with hope and, and um, encouragement in our lives? Because He wants us to know that following Him is the best choice we could ever make in our lives. It's just true. And when our spirits are connected with that, when we say, you know, Lord, I'm done running my own life. I'm done, you know, doing what I want to do. I'm surrendering my life to you. We find that out in such a magnificent way. So as we close up tonight, I'm going to ask, is there anybody here that is not running a race? Who doesn't know, who's never entered into that race of faith? Who's never put their faith in, in our Lord Jesus Christ? Who's never made the decision to follow after the Lord? If there's anybody here, if you just want to raise your hand, I'd love to, I'd love to pray for you. Because God loves you so much. And God desires so much from your life because he knows that when you finish this race, because he's the author and the finisher, that you're going to look back and you'll have no regrets. Let's, let's spend this time in prayer and just uh, thank the Lord. God, we just want to come before you and we want to thank you, God. We thank you, Father, that, that, Lord, you've done the work for us. Really, God, you've set the course for us to follow. Lord, we don't know exactly what turns lie ahead or what, what uh, the course looks like, but we know, God, there is a start and we know there is a finish. And most importantly, God, we know, Lord, that you are the author and the finisher of our faith. That, that course only ends when you say it ends. And so, Father, we ask, Lord, that as we've looked through Hebrews chapter 12 and as we've gotten a taste of your heart, and as, we, as we've gotten a taste, Lord, of your desire in our lives, as we've gotten a taste, Father, of the things that you want to do in us and through us, Lord, may our attitude in 2019 not be to run a race with our eyes on ourselves, or our eyes looking to the right or to the left, but that our eyes will be fixed firmly on you, Jesus, realizing, God, that in the end it is worth it. So, God, I thank you, Lord, for your word, and I thank you for your truth, and I ask, God, that tonight, Lord, our hearts might be encouraged in knowing how great you are. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.